Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another episode of the Bearcat Brunch. This one following a big win for the Bearcats over the Kennesaw State Owls. Uh, again, really happy to have our sponsor, Royal Links Golf Tours. You know, two two former Bearcats, Jeff Bartholomew, Hayden Moore, obviously Hayden, former quarterback. Great system, great company they've got with Royal Links Golf Tours. Buddy and myself are planning a trip to Scotland. You know, we're talking, looking to hit all the classics: St Andrews, North Berwick. Stay in two different places. If you've ever wanted to get out there, Jeff's been there, I think, twenty times. Hayden was out there for the Open this past summer at St Andrews. Took in that, took in a lot of the golf, gaining some great experience on on what to do, how to help you guys out. The trips are not just golf. You got castle tours, whiskey tastings. Museum tours, it's the whole deal with them. So if you'd like to get out there, you're planning a trip, you got a buddy, a couple buddies, a big group, whatever it is, give them a shout. You can always check them out at RoyalLinksGolfTours.com or give them a call directly at 770-331-1525. And with that, happy to bring in co-host Jeff Howe. How are we doing this morning? I'm tired. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I, I had a long go. day yesterday, but probably not as long a day as uh, you had. My my head is burning. I uh, I did not expect to get sunburn when there was no sun projected, but apparently there was enough sun to to roast this bald dome. Oh, so, speaking of that, my wife had uh, my kids' oldest kid had a football game yesterday. I get home and I'm like, "You are roasted." Yeah, and she was like, "Yeah." Apparently, the sun was going to come out. Today, uh, yeah, I mean, I did no not feel it at all. And then we get, I got home later, and I'm just like, "Man, this head is, it's throbbing." So we're, <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, you know, we're gonna fight on. We're gonna fight through, you know, persevere. But uh, Bearcats, big big win. You know, a lot of bounce back things. Obviously, you had to take a little bit of the opponent into account, but. Uh, just kick it off right from the jump. Big, biggest first impression from yesterday's game. Uh, the penalties are still an issue. Um, it's ten for ninety yards. Uh, I don't think Kennesaw State was flagged once. Um, yeah, that was interesting. So I mean, it's like it's kind of one of these. It's right. It's it's one of these things like you look at a game like this, and yeah, you can get like caught up in and all the stuff we'll get into is the positives. But you still want to, like, I think the more you take away from this game is, like, what negative things happen, which is kind of weird to say. Yeah. Um, but, like, the penalties. Still some things to clean up, which we'll get to. But, yeah, it was, you know, I think the the pre-snap type stuff was cut down considerably. I don't remember any delay of games. I know there were a couple false starts, illegal motion. One towards the end when you had a bunch of, of reserves in and the the synergy's not going to be there. But yeah, right. I mean, you had roughing the punter, which I'm not sure that was roughing the punter. You had the offensive pass interference where Josh Wiley just kind of got caught like blocking a little bit more than pretending to block yeah. on the Chris Scott play. So you had, and then Ivan Pace gets called for a face mask by kind of like accidentally pulling the guy's helmet off from the back. So, I mean, you had 45 yards and penalties there that were, I'm not going to say suspect, but you know, they're just kind of like 50 50 type plays. So, yeah. Uh, and then, like, there was a couple times where, like, the offensive line, I mean, on the first, I mean, the very first play there, like, he 
first drive gets blown up by a sack and you're yeah. like, all right. And there were, there were a few times where the offensive line didn't look like it. I I could only say it was a, a missed assignment because it looked like it was a, a totally, I mean, there was, it wasn't somebody getting beat on the offensive yeah. line. They just were not there. Yeah, both sacks. I mean, they brought a guy, uh, kind of a corner or whatever you want to call it, safety blitz on the very first play and just wasn't picked up. And then it looked like on the second one where the guy came free up the middle, it looked like Dylan O'Quinn maybe just stayed with his guy too long helping out Joe Huber and didn't come back um, to the middle in time. And that, and that was the second sack. Um, but, uh, you know, I also want to give a big thanks to – Anthony DeFino and the crew, Tony, everybody, Sabrina, letting the fan council check out the on-field suites, which were which were pretty awesome. It did mean that I had to get up super early this morning and actually watch the game over again because you just like it's a great view, and I took some awesome pictures, especially of Wiley's touchdown. We were right there. It was it was, but you just can't get a feel from like what we're trying to talk about now. Yeah of truly like you know what's happening but it's a super super awesome spot awesome experience uh you know when the team runs out and everything if, if you're gonna get the chance to check that out or or thinking about it with a big group of people or something it, it's definitely worth it in my opinion but you uh, know what you know what those are gonna run there's different sizes so like i think one the biggest one i think can fit 25 we were in one that fits 20 and then there's a size that is I think on the smaller end, like eight to 10 people, maybe um, per game. I think, you know, it's, I think I heard like a couple thousand uh, to pr- probably to like something in like the 5,000 neighborhood for the big one. And then depending on what the, the game itself is. So, I mean, you get 20 people in there and yeah. and split it up and you can, you can buy, they brought us sandwiches. They got snacks. You can buy drinks. Like, so yeah, you don't, I mean, there's a bath bathrooms are right down you know, down the tunnel, easy access to. So, and so, yeah. you can heckle Chad and Aaron when they're down there. That's right. I mean, Aaron, not so much. Chad was Chad was getting in the way from time to time. I had to tell him to, to get out of the way that these were the the big booster seats. Where you know we paid a lot of money to sit here, and you're standing there blocking my view. So yeah, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's. Uh, I can imagine like even for I mean, it was sold out and loud and everything but i can't imagine how cool and fun it would be down there for like a night game against you know a big a big opponent i try to get down there every fourth quarter chad said he, he met about six different uh bearcat journal fans uh, yeah he said like every groups. box he went but walked yeah. by someone yeah. would be like hey chad i'm a member at bearcat journal like oh, awesome Pretty maybe great. maybe they all need to get one and it could be the bearcat journal box I mean, on field not, not the worst idea you've had i'll oh. say that oh. but but yeah i mean the penalties still, you know, it's just, I'm not one to harp on them, but like, you can't just have a hundred yards of penalties every game. It's going to eventually come back and bite you in a, in a key moment. I mean, we kind of saw it in the UCF game Friday night. I mean, they have two touchdowns called back from penalties and they lose by six. So, you know, it's something that I'm sure the coaches want to clean up. And then the other thing, you know, we'll get to a, a lot of this stuff, but um, the past defense still needs to tighten up a bit. I mean, they luckily, you know, you're not dealing with the most, you know, high octane passing offense, but they, they missed one sure touchdown uh, that would have been, you know, in the 60 to 70 yard range, the underthrown ball. Well, yeah, the second quarter, yeah. The second quarter that they completed that one, 
but it should have been a touchdown if he would have actually like you know thrown a good ball. That's what I mean. The, I think his receiver like turned around, had to like kind of fall yeah, on his butt basically to, to go catch down it. to yeah. catch it. Yeah, and then the second drive of the third quarter, they missed. He overthrew a guy that you know maybe scored, maybe doesn't, but would have been another big gain. So and then they had you know on that first drive, that was a really great catch by the by the receiver, kind of going back across his body yeah. to one hand catch it. Yes. They had that one for plus twenty. They had a couple other ones for plus twenty. Um, you know, just little, just little things that you can get away with against Kennesaw State that you're not going to get away with against most teams that you're going to play that have, you know, passing games that are that are fully functioning and and are a big part of their offense. I mean, Kennesaw's offense is is very much not that, but right, you know, still something to to work on in that regard. They they did seem to. I mean, I guess we saw it kind of last week, but. They, they seem to be kind of a uh, triple option team that actually incorporates the throw more than once, you know, a half. Yeah. Um, and they, they were seven for 15. They ran out two different quarterbacks. Uh, Xavier Shepard got the, uh, I think he got the majority of the snaps back there. Um, but the, there were areas of like just these big pockets. Mm-hmm in the passing game. And I don't know if it's just because we switched up and we were, you know, so heavily focused on stopping the run up the middle. I mean, we only, I think they only ended up with like 140 yards rushing, 142 yards rushing, which is the first time in like 73 games. I think since their inaugural season that they didn't yeah. rush for 150 yards, um, which they kind of had a chance to, to try and keep going for it there at the end. And they, they decided like, we're just going to punt this away and, Run the run this out. Um, yeah, I think I think part of it is defensive alignment. You're obviously hyper focused to stop the run, so you're playing four down linemen more than you usually do. You're playing four linebackers or some combination of linebackers and safety. So when they do throw, there's just more space where you don't have bodies where under yeah. normal circumstances you would. Um, but even at, even at, the, at that, the coverage can be better. I mean. Guys were open, you know, open to wide open. They just weren't able to to complete the plays. But you know, but on the flip side, hats off big time to the defense and the defensive line, especially holding them to that you know under 150 mark, under three yards a carry. Like they didn't have a run longer than 10 yards. So I mean, when you you know. You have, you know, Xavier Shepard goes from carrying it 35 times last week to seven times this week for only 17 yards. I mean, granted, he's got maybe a couple sacks in there too, but they weren't like big, big losses. So, yeah, I mean, you've got runners of everybody's under three yards of carry except for two guys that had a carry each for four yards. So, you know, I thought the D-line was excellent. Juwan Briggs, you know, Ryan – Big props to Ryan Mullaney. Tons of snaps filling in from Malik Van. You know, saw a lot more of like Noah Potter. Justin I think Corleone looked really good. Yeah, Justin Watley. Like they went deep, which is good because they need to be those guys. And we'll get to it on when we talk about the offense too. Like they need to get those guys snaps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good, good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Deanna. Thanks for joining early. Thank you, Deanna, for joining early on on our member Central Time Zone. So we're, we're, you know, we're even an hour earlier for, for you, but, uh, but yeah, I thought the D line shined, you know, there just wasn't a lot of room for them 
to run. And, you know, the, the big stat to me, the whole game that I took away that kind of allows you to get a 63 to 10 margin is they started three for five on third down and then were five for 15 the rest of the game. And that allows you to get off the field, get your offense out there, and not let them kill the clock. I mean, and still, and still, Kennesaw State held the ball for 38 minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that it's, the exact, it's almost exactly the same split that they had last week um, in their loss to Samford. Uh, but Cincinnati scored a few extra points in their 20 minutes of, of having <laughs> a, the ball. And the two the two defensive touchdowns, obviously, like, you just love to sure. see that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, they have, you know, they're going to get, you know, give it to you. You got to take advantage. And we'll get into it when we talk offense. But the offense was very efficient. I'll get into yeah. some, of the, some of the data, you know, behind that. But, but yeah, I mean, you're scoring, you know, 40-something offensive points in basically 20 minutes that's that's pretty good point you know points per minute as as the basketball you know people like to talk about you don't hear that as much in in football but uh but yeah you know marcus mentions the godfather godfather has been impressive man he is he has slimmed down he has uh he showed good quickness on his sack it wasn't like a bull rush type thing Uh i mean he he kind of bull rushed him initially but then Got skinny, if, if if I could say that, and you know, slid slid between the two guys and and got a sack, and you know, that's, that's if you got him and Jawan Briggs or your two guys in the middle, it's going to be very hard to run on this team between the tackles. They they certainly are some large dudes filling up those holes there on the line. Any anything else on the uh, on the defense that caught your um, eye that you want to talk about? I mean, Deshaun Pace looked. Uh, look good. Um, obviously, I'm gonna br- I'll bring in the special teams there. Like, I mean, he had the uh, the block field goal at the beginning that I, I think kind of got UC right um, and started them back. Like, kind of. I don't know if they came out. You know, obviously, first game in at Nippert this year, and they were whatever. They kind of seemed a little off. I don't know if that's a right word to use there, but they they seemed a little bit like they weren't uh, hitting on all cylinders until. The block field goal, and then after that, it was like, you know, game on. Uh, that looked really good. He also, or maybe it was it was Ivan that was involved in the uh, the scoop and score. He uh, he knocked that one out. So the the Pace brothers there. Uh, huh? Defense was just really impressive. Outside of, I mean, obviously we had some some uh, mistakes, maybe or some whatever with the the passing defense, which has got to get cleared up, especially now that we're going to go back into playing teams that. That's probably you know more an even split of what they're doing, or maybe a little more pass heavy. Oh yeah, um, that next two opponents definitely. Well, I'll get into Miami more um, this week. They've got an interesting thing going on at quarterback, but uh, Indiana definitely generates their offense through the pass. So you know, Ivan Pace again leads the way with eleven total tackles, a tackle for loss, a forced fumble. Uh, Jaheim Thomas in there with nine total tackles. John John Briggs eight total tackles from the nose against the triple is huge because that means that they're not running and their 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 main running back was a dude man that Preston Daniels he's a hoss dude that is a (laughs) that is a huge guy right there from the the middle 
you call that the fullback or the B back, depending on how you want to call him in the triple option. There's like Lorenzo Neal coming up the middle. Yeah, but like eight tackles from your from your D tackle there, and Corleone had six. So that tells me that they were really st- that's you know lends you to the numbers. They stopped the inside run pretty well, and and then shut him down. You know that's how you get to the the five for twenty or eight. You know whatever ended up being eight for twenty total on third down, but five for fifteen kind of the last three quarters or so. And and that's, those are, you know, if your inside guys are making Ivan Pace, Juwan Briggs, Dante Corleone are making those kind of tackle numbers against a uh, triple option team, then, you know, you're, you're having pretty good success stopping the run. And they, I mean, they, they did well with the contain on the outside with the, the runs that they tried, where they tried to stretch the field out. Like it just didn't, I mean, nothing really went well for Kennesaw state yesterday, but no, no, I mean, it, it, you, know, yeah, they had, you look, you look at it, but, you yeah. see did well to kind of fix some of those other issues that they had maybe against Arkansas. And yeah. like you said, you got to take the opponent into, into context, but you still have to go out there and, and play football. So. Right. I mean, the, the pursuit, it, the pursuit, the contain, the leverage, all those keywords that we hear coaches talk about seem to be better. Missed tackles. I mean, I'm sure there were a couple, but it was, it didn't feel anything like, um, you know, what we saw last week. So, Definitely something to build on. You know, switching over to the offense. This team has, like, I think there's some trends that are starting to emerge offensively. And the biggest one being that regardless of the opponent through two games, they are going to try to be very, very aggressive and hit explosive plays. I mean, we talked last week. 6.95 6.95 yards per play last week, which was 95, 95th percentile. Take a guess what yards per play was this week. 11.7. Almost. 10.6. There. Which is obviously in the 100th percentile if you're getting a first down on every play. <laughs> on average. Right. Explosive plays again. I mean, last week was 11%, which is in the 90 percentile. This week it was 100% or it was 10%. So again, 91 percentile. Here's the biggest difference from last week to this week. Success rate last week, 39%. This week, 62%, 100 percentile. So, you know, they didn't throw the ball in the same way, I think, as they did against Arkansas because they didn't really have to. But still, I mean, your quarterbacks are 21 for 25 for three touchdowns, no interceptions, like, you're going to be super efficient. You're going to be very successful when it comes to the, you know, analytical way of viewing it. Yeah, there were a couple 30-yard passes um, in there as as the long um, one was uh, to Mater. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good run after catch yesterday. <laughs> Tyler Scott's touchdown, Mater's long play. Yeah. Um, 11... I think I had 11 guys written down as receiving passes. Yeah, uh, yes, I, yesterday. I, I, I noted that. Um, obviously, there were the nine guys that scored, which that's always always nice to have nine yeah. guys. I mean, well, here, I'll ask, I'll ask you this. Players. 11 guys caught passes, and I know, and Chuck ran for 6.6 yards of carry, and Corey ran for 5.6. So, he ran the ball efficiently as well. But... 11 different guys caught passes. Quarterbacks played well. I know Coach Fickle, everybody, we have this mantra of offensive and defensive 
uh, line driven programs. But is this is this really a passing team though? Why do you have to throw that right in my face at nine o'clock in the morning? Um, I, I, I mean, think it can to be. To me, that's where their biggest it, biggest talent is. I mean, all these think, receivers and tight ends. I think it can be, and I, I think it Ooh. should be. Uh, but then, like when when you talk about that, because you have the speed, you, you got the four two nine speed out with a couple of your guys. I mean, they've even got a guy that's probably not going to play much this year, but. It also has four two nine speed in uh, Drew Donnelly. Uh, you got these guys that can burn them. You got Nick Martiner who can probably go up and win just about every 50-50 ball that gets thrown out there. And then you've got tight ends that are probably both going to be playing on Sundays next year. Yeah, I mean, uh, so you've got that, but then you got some pretty good running backs. Thank you, Darren Russell, for subscribing to our YouTube channel. Hell yeah. Glad right. to have Thanks, you, Darren. Darren. Good morning. Good morning. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I I mean, I like to sling it around. That's just my personality. You know, the way I look at football is is pass passing or passing game oriented. Um when you have an offensive line that is pretty good, veteran, um, you know, protects the quarterback well, mm-hmm. it just just gives you so many different options as far as how you want to attack. And I just look at this offense and, you know, Ben was not great last week and he was pretty darn good yesterday. And so maybe he's somewhere in the middle of that on a 12 game season standpoint, which is going to be good enough to win a lot of games. And I, yeah, it's hard not to just look at all these guys, you know, Jane Thompson jumped up nicely yesterday. Um, you know, obviously Trey, Tyler, <clears throat> the tight ends, like they can just, they can really take advantage of mismatches because you just don't have guys that can, can cover that many people, especially with the tight ends they have. I mean, if they, if they want to put both those guys on the field, there was some interesting stuff that I saw yesterday that I'm not sure I'd, I've seen um, them do like Chuck's touchdown in the third quarter. They had an unbalanced line with Tunstall outside of Huber and then Shimon Mateo next to him. I mean, just, I mean, nobody touched Chuck on that run. And I'm not sure we've seen unbalanced stuff in the past. So that's a new wrinkle. And I know that Coach Fickle is going to, they're always going to run the ball. But man, it's, it is, uh, it's impressive when they get it clicking passing and Ben is as accurate as he can be to yeah. to what they can do in the pass game. I think that's it's gonna scare a lot of teams because then you just come back in with Ryan Montgomery hopefully down the road and the, the other running backs and there's a lot this offense can do. Well, like I said last week, like and I've been kind of bringing this up on a regular basis. The this running back room, obviously when that first like right before Arkansas when the uh when the depth chart came out that had or written all over it, and you see that the like, the running backs were, were all ors, um, it's nice to be able to, to plug and play whoever you need to put in there. Um, obviously, there's going to be some slight differences here and there, but you're not losing like a huge amount if you've got to you know put Kiner out there or you got to put you know one of the Montgomerys out there, McClellan. Like you're not you're not losing a lot. 
really a, a negligible amount between who you put out there running back. Um, I don't know exactly where I was going to continue going with that point, but that's what I was excited about was <laughs> with with the running back room because I like I like a good running back that could just like you know you've got a little bit of finesse and speed, and then you've got kind of a, some power guys that that can then get away from you. Well, I think that's I mean I think that's it. That's the whole what you want in the room, and and I don't you know I don't even think you necessarily lose something. I just think you have guys that bring different elements like Chuck's burst seems back and what he does you run him three you run him two or three plays and the defense is trying to adjust to his burst and then you bring Corey in mm-hmm. and you you know you bring an extra tight end and then all of a sudden you go in the same drive you go from more of a spread speed rush attack to more of a power rush attack and it's just got to be hard on the defense to adjust to that mid flow you know, it's not like they come into a game when we had Mike Warren. It was like, all right, they're going to just give this dude the ball 30 times. Mm-hmm. Double, bu- double buckle your chin strap. What's up, Ed? Double buckle your chin strap because this one's going to be, you know, a smash mouth game. It's like, yeah, you got that with Corey. And then you also got it with, ch- with different element with Chuck. And then and we got these two tight ends and the receivers. I mean, you know, the offense is can go to not a new level even from last year. But, I mean, it can be very on par with last year, you know, when all the pieces are clicking. Speaking of double buckling their chin straps, I didn't, I don't think I saw one UC helmet come off yesterday. I, w- I wonder if that was a point of emphasis in, uh, in practice this week. <laughs> oh, week. I wanted to ask Luke about it in the postgame presser, but I was scared. He, <laughs> he scares me. He would have been like, hey, you're the dude that's asked me two questions and they've both been about helmets popping off. Like, Ever, <laughs> right. Get, get a new get a new line of questioning, sir. I I, I did ask several questions, but not of Luke. Uh, I asked the other guys. So yeah, you know. But what? again, I I hate prefacing it, but like I mean, yeah. being on the field level, like we always joke about the bull crap that we hear from the media of like, well, when I was on the field and you you see you up against the SEC teams and they just didn't match up physically, like, and we know that that's kind of you know whatever, but like. It was it was glaring yesterday. Like one of the guards for Kennesaw State, you know, I'm I'm not sure if he was like five eleven and you know two hundred and something. Like so, there there was a mismatch clearly, and you need to take that into account when you're talking about receivers running open and mm-hmm. and and speed and and things of that nature. But but you know what, those receivers were running open. Last week on sure we just weren't on we a, just weren't connecting right so that's that's the fine line of of success versus you know call it failure mm-hmm. whatever winning and yep. losing like but you know you still have to defend them the way that you you know be sound to your keys and your discipline and everything or else like you said I mean they still had the ball for three quarters of the game so if we aren't successful offensively this you know you're sputtering and not converting and then it's it's not like we would have lost, but it's just a, what we talked with Chad and I talked about was this could be a kind of a sloppy game if you can't get off the field on third down, if you're not converting third downs, you know you win something like you know thirty eight to ten instead of sixty three to ten. Right. I mean that that looks a lot better and should should put our Bearcats back with a tiny number next to their name. Uh, uh, I I would hope, but I, you know I'm I'm not I'm not confident. <laughs> 
I think you got you probably got to do more than than beat the the dog, you know, oh, out, it, of, out of Kennesaw State. To... I mean, they didn't fall too far out of of the top twenty five. I mean, they were still getting you know, some votes. And and the thing to me is like, just watch them and watch the rest of college football the first two weeks. Like, they're a top twenty five team. Oh yeah. Whether they're a top twenty five team in in September, I I don't really care. Like, just keep winning. Yeah, that stuff that stuff will take care of itself. Um, obviously, we got to talk about you know some Evan Prater came in third quarter, played outstanding. Really appreciate what Luke said in the post game about letting them actually run plays. Yeah, because that's the thing we always see is you blow a team out, you bring the backup, and he just hands the ball off and runs the clock out. They have to get him. And even if it was only a couple series, like mm-hmm. they have to get him meaningful game reps where he's calling different plays in the huddle, where he's assessing things at the line. Because, you know, we see it all the time. I mean, we went how many years in a row until the last couple of years with Dez, where we had we played multiple and sometimes three and four quarterbacks every single year. Mm-hmm. So you just don't know. And you can't go into like week six, seven, have Ben get hurt and Evan hasn't done anything other than hand of, the ball off. Of tangible, you know, experience. Right. No, he um I like that. he looked his his passes look really crisp. That's I mean, that's the best uh, I've seen him throw the ball in the times that I've seen him. I mean, threw it well I, on the move, accurate on target, gave his guys chances to run. Like he he played great. I mean, he only had five five attempts, connected on four of them. Um, but I've heard that from from several people now that like have kind of seen him because, like, I remember obviously watching him in high school, and then, uh, but I I haven't you know I, I don't go to practices in camp for UC, so like I haven't really seen a lot of of him there. Uh, but from some people that have, they were um, they put that up with one of the his better throwing outings, even though it was only over like five passes, but he, I mean, when he was rolling, rolling out and still putting some, a little bit of zip on the ball, uh, getting it where it needed to go. So there was a pass. He rolled to the right. I can't remember who he threw it to over there. Um, I think it was Chris Scott. Chris Scott. Um, But he it was kind of what you know he had kind of a shorter range option in front and he went mm-hmm. over that and laid it right in where it needed to be with with a little bit of power so you like that and then obviously the stuff he can do with his legs uh 44 oh, yard yeah. touch, 44 yard touchdown scramble um as as things i think that was a design quarterback run uh from from what it looked like yeah uh, it looked like it was that the play they like to run where they slide the tight end underneath the line and he could have mm-hmm. thrown it to Shimon. But he, you know, he ran. Shimon crushes the guy. Blue Yo. Smith, Blue Smith crushes the guy. Like great blocks by both of them. Blue Smith, Aaron's guy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but like what you're saying on that throw to Chris Scott, and they did that in the first. I like this two plays. They had some misdirection, where they, you know, faked a run and kind of looped the quarterback out the backside. Ben connected with Lenny in the first quarter on like the near sideline on the UC sideline. Mm-hmm. And then Evan threw that ball, at Chris Scott. So I like that element of the offense too. getting some misdirection doesn't have to mean like a, with a truly running quarterback, like you can do that with Ben. And then he has all this space to just kind of sit there and survey and see where he wants to go with the ball. 
the biggest thing I noticed with Evan, and the thing that I've noticed when I have seen him practice and where he where I feel he needs to take that step, and he did it yesterday. Throwing to spots and not to guys. Mm. When you're when you're a younger quarterback, you wait to see and make sure that your guy is open. So you throw it to him versus the route says he's going to be here. I'm going to throw it to the spot and trust that he's going to be there. And I thought he did that very well. He was, you know, he threw it in front of guys. He threw it leading guys. Um, it wasn't like, you know, guys were waiting there standing for the ball to get right. to them. So I think that is, that's the evolution of a young quarterback to a, a more experienced quarterback is trusting that, that guy's going to get there. He's not there yet, but by the time I throw it, then he'll be there instead of, you know, that's how you see those late interceptions over the middle because they're waiting for their guy to clear and throwing it to him. And then the safety can come in and, you know, yep. jump right in front. Cause jump the route. Yeah. So, you know, the only great. one, the only, the only pass that I think he like really Probably, I mean, obviously, any quarterback's going to want a missed touchdown back, but the the ball to Will Pauling in the second quarter, I thought, oh yeah, Ben, little underthrown, yeah, yeah. Uh, but other than that, like everything else looked like it was rolling at, as as need be. Um, I only bring that up because I saw after that when I saw some people on on the on the Twitter sphere out there like, I uh, see. Get him out of there. Yes. The, like, the one of the three incompletions right. that he had all day. Right, exactly. Like <laughs> bring bring it bring in Evan. Like, how about you just pump the brakes and we'll see Evan probably at the you know, at yeah, towards the end of this I, game. And we did, and they like you said, like Luke brought up the point that he wanted him to, you know, kind of be out there like it was almost like it was zero zero, you know. Like, I mean there wasn't this like and Yeah, but they weren't they weren't being egregious with in anything that they were attempting to do. It wasn't like they were just standing back there and chucking it and yeah. trying to score. But I mean, these are all backups. They deserve to run the offense and not yeah. just stand there and hand the ball off and get three yards and punt. Like yeah. I think any coach and <clears throat> around the country understands that. I mean, it's one thing if you got your starters in there doing that stuff, but I mean, it was all a bunch of backups and they just, they practice and do everything that uh, everybody else does. So they deserve to, be able to be put in a good situation and i know that i know that aaron has been hyping him up and we talk about backups but um shaman mater like that's the first time i've seen him like actually like obviously play like first yeah. time he's been you know what i mean like i haven't it's been, been any be, practices he's gonna be a dude good night like the, the catch the catch and run and then the block on the the prayer run like I, mean, I think have, our tight end room is going to be just ends like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think a tight end room is going to be just fine <laughs> for, for sure. For sure. So. Uh, Mason Fletcher and his limited action longest, longest punt of his career dude has been, I mean, we were and rightfully so, you know, what's the punting going to be after James Smith leaves. And he has been, he has been outstanding. Uh, so, you know, that's always a positive. We know how much, you know, Luke takes the Jim Trestle, you know, line of, of coaching to heart and punting is not a, not a bad thing unless you're Iowa, then it, then it's a little, a little bit much. Um, Trey Tucker was back there on some punts, um, you know, 
<clears throat> and they and then they switched to Will. So they were, you know, Roy Montgomery is typically the the number one punt returner. So then, you know, Will is usually second. They keep Trey out of there with him uh, being on kickoff and then being such a focal point of the offense. So I imagine, you know, depending on Will's injury, hopefully it's not too serious. Uh, you know, I imagine we'll see Trey back there, and or maybe somebody else because you know you don't really want to put. I don't know how much you want to put him back there as well. So, uh, you know, you know, I was thinking, and I don't know how much experience he has at it, or really if like they're able to do this or look into it. But like putting Drew Donnelly back there, I don't know if he has any experience returning anything. I just know that he is a lightning fast individual. Yeah, I think I think in college, like so rarely do you actually re- get to return a punt. Yeah. That it's um, like, I think they would probably err on the side of like, who's just going to catch the damn ball. Right. Who has experience judging the ball, fielding the ball. Like who's just going to catch it. Our offense is fine. You know, you very rarely see, especially with the, these more of these rugby style kickers, like hardly anybody is returning punts in college. Yeah. So, you know, probably just don't even like run the risk of putting someone back there that doesn't have the the experience and, you know. It's fair. But uh, you know, I think anything else from this one? I, mean, I know we're not going to we're not going to go to, you know, there's not a whole lot else to Yeah, say, there's not a lot of think. not a lot to break down here. Just uh I think we kind of touched on all of it. The offense looked like they were clicking on all cylinders. The defense, defensive line looked very good to stop the run, stop, and then using a contain on the outside. And special teams had a couple uh exciting plays. Yeah. Big punt block, and a block block punt, field goal. Nice punt. You know, no field goals. Bunch of extra points look good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they said, I, I didn't know it was a thing, but I guess Ryan Coe has never missed a, a point after in his college career, so... Oh really? Yeah. Hey, we'll take it. Good, good to know. Hopefully, that, <laughs> hopefully that continues. So. But yeah, I mean, I think that kind of covers it. Easy win. Some, some, a lot of positives. A couple things that I'm sure they're going to clean up and work on cleaning up, and probably even more that we don't, you know, we don't necessarily see that they. That's a point of emphasis for them. So again, Bearcats defeat Kennesaw State 63-10 on to the battle for the victory bell, uh, looking to make it 16 in a row next week against Miami, Ohio at Paul Brown Stadium. I believe that's a new kickoff. Kick I'm completely grossed out by that, but that's what you get playing Miami. Uh, so Why are they playing it? Like I know that you, you guys are going to get into like the, the nuts and bolts of the matchup on uh... – on the BCJ podcast, but why are they playing at at Paycor Stadium? Or sorry, I, I, I should put a dollar in the in the <laughs> kitty for calling it Paul Brown. Uh, part of the new contract, so this was their way of not having to go to actually go to Oxford every other year. Oh, and Miami got double screwed because the their home game year was the COVID year, which got canceled. So. Not only last year was at UC, this year's at Paycor Stadium, next year's at UC. So they won't have had a home game in this series since, like, the Malik Clemens interception return game. Wow. That sucks. I hate I hate playing at NFL stadiums. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a, a huge fan, but I'm, I'm much more of a fan of that than driving to Oxford. Yeah. 
That's fair. It's much closer to my house than, yeah. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. But uh, we'll flip it now to, you know, what was a, I guess, wild, another wild Saturday yeah. of college football. You can call this one Sunbelt Saturday, apparently, because yeah. they uh, they kick some ass. Where, where do you want to start? Uh, I'll, I'll just we can start right at the top with, uh, I mean, Alabama and Texas was a uh, – a wild back and forth. Um, so I did not. I did not see a single play. So you're gonna have to. You didn't see any play. So no. so the the biggest play, the one, the guy in my office that I work with, um, he's an Ohio State fan. So he had Ohio State, uh, Arkansas State on. So like I didn't actually get to see a whole lot of the Alabama game. The Butch Jones, he, Butch Jones the, game. Yeah, the Butch Jones game. I was like, I didn't know he was a coach there, and I looked up and I'm like. Oh, that's unfortunate. They, they hung with them for a, yeah. a minute. At the beginning of the game, they did. Um, uh, Denzel Burke was you know, doing his, his best Jalen Ramsey impersonation. Um, just getting toasted. And um, against Arkansas State, which is just wild. I guess they have a, a receiver from Oregon State that transferred in. So, like, they've got something there. But the Alabama-Texas game, I, I flipped back over. And there was a... They had backed up um, Alabama on their own, like, half-yard line. Yeah. They get into the backfield. I don't Have you seen this? Because it's been all that's, over Twitter. That's the, the only thing that I've kind of seen which and I've read about. Like, I just don't understand how. So they, they, they tackle him, but he's not down because he's on top of another guy. And then another guy comes flying in and hits him. Correct. And he but throws it, the ball, and they call, initially they call it roughing the passer and targeting, which how is it roughing the passer? He's not even down. So then, it w- then, then they review it and say none oh, of those things happened, but it was incomplete and not intentional yeah. grounding. So they, they, never, they never, like, say anything about intentional grounding. Right, they they don't. So what? I'm in. I'm at work. Walk. It's on TV. Another guy comes into the office. And he's like, "Are you seeing this?" <laughs> and so I was like, "Yeah, like I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on." They get into the backfield. Obviously, I don't really like know their like the players, whatever. But he get he gets you know Bryce Young wrapped up, and he's kind of he's kind of like roll like alligator yeah, rolling like, him down. Rolling him over. So he's on his back, and. Bryce Young, as he's coming over, puts his hand down on the ground and is trying to throw the ball at the same time before he's down. Right. So it's he clearly not take, like so his forward progress it. isn't stopped. He's trying to make, still trying to make a play. Correct. So as he's doing that, he's kind of flipping legs up, head down. I mean, continuing right. the roll. And another uh, Texas defender comes in and really. He's the one he takes like Bryce Young's foot off his helmet as he's like going in, like his Bryce Young's head's on the ground, and they're like, Oh, he kicked him in the head. And, and like, I don't th- like, I don't think he really made contact with Bryce's head at all. He's the one, like, the defender's the one that took a foot to the head while he's like diving through because he's trying to throw the ball. Yeah. So he's trying to defend this pass as he goes in. You see the ball like kick off. You know, out of out of the end zone, and everybody's going insane. And uh, so 
So I'm like, oh man, like this is gonna kind of this is flipping the game right here. This is a safety. They're gonna get uh, they're gonna get the ball back, and then the flags are everywhere. We're like, what the heck's going on? They announce over the little in stadium thing like, hey, roughing the passer, and we're reviewing targeting. <laughs> I'm sure the crowd just went it's, shit. Like I, I thought really that the the officials might get. Um, killed right there. Like the, there were some like you, you, you angry can looking. Carry, you can carry in Texas. I mean, you never <laughs> yeah. know. There were gonna... some angry looking <laughs> Texas fans. Um, so they announced that, and when they announce it, they they're showing the replay over, and obviously then they bring in um, Pereira, Rose expert, right? And he's like, I'm not really sure what there's what they saw out there. Like, I, he's not down yet, so I don't know where the roughing the passer comes in. And uh, he's like, but they announced roughing the passer, so like that penalty sticks. Um, and they're reviewing the targeting. He's like, I don't see targeting, so you know, they're not going to end up kicking him out uh, because obviously when they go see this, they're not going to do it. And I turned and looked at my coworker, and I was like, they're going to come up. They're going to like that official has been under the hood for a very, very long time watching a very clear play that, way too long that, for something that, that seems so obvious that they totally totally dropped the ball on and then to their credit i'm i'm perfectly okay with this he comes out from under the hood and says wait a minute this whole thing was explained to me incorrectly we were <laughs> we there was no roughing the passer we were we were just reviewing targeting there is no targeting fourth down and then, like, and that was it. There was no other explanation for anything else. He just came out and said, no, uh, I misunderstood the explanation of the, the flags. There was never a roughing the passer. That that wasn't even a thing. I spoke out of turn. I'm sorry. Uh, fourth out. And so then, oh my God. you know, Alabama had the punt from in there. Uh, All that and... being said, you don't, you're playing Alabama at home. It's 10-10. You have the ball on the two-yard line. You got to go for it in the first half. At the end of the first half, I, you're not beating them kicking field goals. Nope. You miss a 20 yard field goal. You know what? Wh- you know terrible call. Whatever happened after that? I guess Bryce Young made like a a silly play on the on the game winning drive or whatever. Um, yeah. But like, I would be going nuts if I was a Texas fan that we're not going for that in that situation against that team. Yeah, you you've got to like what do you, you you're playing to win the game. Um, and that's how it should be when you're an unranked, you know, team playing the number one team and you've got them on the ropes with, you know, the chances to kind of put them away possibly early, you know, they're going to come back. I mean, I thought it was going to be awesome that a kicker with the last name of Auburn was going to have the game winning, uh, field goal against Alabama. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, as Alabama was able to go back down, like Bryce, there was a lot of like, missed calls that I mean that you're gonna have in games. Oh for it sure. Just, and in Alabama I think I think Alabama had a hundred yards in um penalty yeah they had like in penalties most, too. So like the most accepted penalties they've had since Saban's been there. It, it's not like well I mean that's because Saban doesn't play true non conference road games either. Like that place was and Sandy, Will Anderson said after the game that it, it was the craziest atmosphere he's ever played in. He had, yeah, I heard he had a rough game too. Well, uh, you know, there there was one where like the the running back had like 
gotten out into the into the flat on a reception and he kind of caught it and his momentum took him to the ground and so he like rolled across the ground and then as he popped back up and that, that would have made it fourth down um and as he popped back up <laughs> Anderson just blasted him back into the ground <laughs> like it's the nfl uh which is where you know it, it's good instinct for where he'll uh soon be but yeah it, from what i outside of that I, I didn't see like a whole lot of other stuff about how he was but obviously Alabama rolls on and wins 20 to 19 uh, at the end of the game and I would have liked to see them lose oh I think <laughs> everyone would have enjoyed that right uh you know going to our, our former friend Marcus Freeman who owned three start to his coaching head coaching career loses at home to Marshall another another bye game where the Irish get taken down and uh all I'm gonna say on this one is like you mean to tell me Tyler Buckner's not any good I could never have guessed right like never have guessed yeah (laughs) I don't know it's just it's one of those things like you know obviously that that's a different kind of pressure cooker than a lot of other places as far as like when you're in the head coaching spot and I know some other I think Chad brought up last night that like um, some other head coach, Brian Kelly was like one in three. Um, some of the other guys they brought in there that have been uh, fairly good at coaching football started off with, you know, one in one in three, four, five, something like that. Yeah. Their careers. I mean, he's got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. I, I think he's kind of, fighting through what's left to, you know, trying to piece together some semblance of a season. Um, I don't know. I hope they don't rush to judgment and boot him out of there. No, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I'm just like, <laughs> you got to be able to, you, you got to be able to do better than, than that guy at quarterback. I mean, they've got a legit, really good defense outside of Michael Mayer. I'm, I'm not sure what they're, if they are really great at the skill positions. I mean, I know they had a, a rough injury leading up to the season with who was probably going to be their main receiver. Um, but well, the I can tell just, you, he just can't yeah. throw the ball like great. He can run. I mean, and we can, we'll talk about this at some point with, with our buddies down in Orlando, but like you gotta have some semblance of a passing, passing game, game. Or it just makes playing defense way too easy. Yeah. Uh I can say that those coaches up there at Notre Dame might want to go head over and watch some of the, uh, you know, they, at Notre Dame, they play uh, full contact intramural football. Oh, really? Like with full pads and everything? Full pads and everything. Oh, man. And uh, I had a buddy in high school uh, that went up, to, he, he played football in high school and then played um, his first year at Notre Dame, he played contact intramural football and then walked on to Notre Dame um, that was during the Charlie Weiss era but yeah they've got full contact it's awesome they bring in Indiana high school refs to, to ref the games and like, wow. it's, it's a big deal a big deal and I know that there have been there were several guys from those teams that ended up uh, they were like hey how mentally guys- deranged do you have to be to like be done playing high school football and being like you know what I just I love it so much. I'm not even on the team and I'm going to keep putting these pads on and just trying to like, well, they get to play. 
they play the championship game in Notre Dame Stadium. So how, like, do you know how many teams there? Like how many teams there are? I think maybe maybe eight. Maybe wow, that's a that's a, that's a lot. Maybe six. Eight, and they're all like all Notre, like all Notre Dame students. Yeah. Wow. That'd be pretty fun to go watch, just see if there's like some dudes that are it, just like way better than everybody it, else. <laughs> it, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun to watch. Like, cause my buddy walked on, like I said, during like the Charlie Weiss era, he walked on as a, as a tight end. And there was another kid that was a, a tight end that walked on and they were both on the same intramural team. And you, they ended up walking on to the to Notre Dame at that time. And, uh, yeah, is that a good or is that a good or bad thing that like Notre Dame's taking walk-ons from the intramural teams? I mean they they they're pretty good dudes. Maybe. I mean they got uh, in the senior game. But, but yeah, I mean if you're dropping Marshall, <laughs> that means you've oh, man, I know they don't have like tons of super tough games, but I mean they still got to play BYU, they still got to play Clemson. This uh this might not be a great first season. Uh I do want to throw an interesting number out that I saw today. Since uh, since we saw Texas A&M lose to Appalachian State at home, that's the giant killers. Jimbo Fisher and Kevin Sumlin basically have the exact same record through their first fifty games. So, like, you gave the guy like a gazillion dollars uh, and say that he's great, but. You know, you fired the other guy <laughs> three well, years in. I mean, you're you're looking you're looking kind of the same thing out of um, like Nebraska. Oh my god! I mean, yeah. I mean, Georgia's they, Georgia Southern throwing for four. I mean, Georgia Southern's like a traditional triple option team. They threw for four hundred yards against Nebraska. Yeah, thirty-seven for fifty-six. For 409 yards and one touchdown. How do you uh, only get one touchdown on 400 yards passing? <laughs> probably because you get close and you're like, let's go back yeah. to doing the triple option. You just start Well, Clay Helton's their coach now, the former USC coach. So I don't think they're as triply as they used, as they used uh, to okay. be, that's for sure. Um, well, but yeah, I mean, you just got like these. <laughs> five rushing touchdowns. Yeah. He's just uh, Texas A&M. You're going to top 10 preseason again. Lose at home again, totally dominated. Like I think, App held the ball similarly to like what Kennesaw did. Was able to just just not give them the ball basically, and they couldn't get off the field. And then, you know, Scott Frost. I mean, he's done. Oh yeah, I mean that guy. And that's that's like the thing. That's the angle that like all these people take. Like Scott Frost could have been like immortalized in a statue and all kinds of things down there. And instead, obviously like, you know, you have the draw of wanting to coach where you like your alma mater or whatever, but <laughs> you went to the bottom of the barrel in the big 10 and you've never, you've never climbed out of it. He could like before this week, I read that stat. I think I might've said it last week. He could win like the next 50 games in a row and not have as many wins as Bo Pelini when they fired him. Yeah. I mean, you start the year losing to Northwestern, who got rocked by Duke. Yeah. Then you, you know, struggle to beat South Dakota, and then you lose at home to Georgia Southern. Like, you haven't even played any of the good Big Ten teams yet. 
It is it is <laughs> wild how bad they are. That's just it's insanity. Uh, Jason asked if they could afford to wait until October when his buyout is cut in half. They they should. I mean, what's at this the point, what's the point if you fire him today or you wait till October? Like, you're still well ahead of the coaching cycle. Like, and I'm sure they're back channeling things already. Like, they know they're yeah. they know they're not keeping him. So who gives a shit if you fire him in today or a month and a half from now? Save the money, man. Like, it's, yeah. it's just waste. I mean, I know they don't probably even need it, but like, there's no point in firing the money. Or you know, lighting the money on fire for no reason. Launching the launching the money into the sun. Yeah. Might as well just so, take a couple more L's and then and then be like, look, dude. Yeah, just then then you got this ain't the only, working the out. only thing is that saves them is the buyout does drop during the season and not at the end of the season. Cause you I know this has happened some places. These team these schools get fearful that they're gonna get like hot. And then they can't fire the guy or whatever. Yeah. Like, dude, Scott Frost ain't getting hot. So, like, no. firing him now versus end of October, I don't think it really matters. Um, but, yeah, them, Texas A&M, like, enough with the Texas A&M is awesome, guys. Like, stop feeding me that line. Like, Well, it's because they're, they're – I'm, they, I'm just they talking to the, to the yeah. ether of, like, top ten. They were, what, number six preseason? Like, get out of here. No, thank you. I disagree. <laughs> you know, Anthony Richardson won the Heisman last week, and this yeah, week and then, he and then like gets he beat by... absolutely looked like a guy that has started three football games. So, like, yeah. pump the damn brakes on so many things, like good and bad. Like, we're two weeks in. <laughs> well, it's funny. I saw somebody on, on Twitter, like, it was a media member that was, like, you know, saying that basically that about Anthony Richardson. Like, you know, he, he was the Heisman winner, and, they, you know, they were – college football playoff contenders and all this stuff like please stop doing that and somebody replied was like i mean it was the media that did it <laughs> like yeah you guys it was you guys yeah, exactly and now my my, them my guys get to go in in there next week and whoop that ass so <laughs> the balls are hot baby and I, and I and i get to say eat shit pit and you know it feels like the old big east days uh, i didn't realize that they oh they won it over time yep that I'm surprised because my brother-in-law, uh, his wife went to UT, and that's all that like he's suddenly become like a balls fan, which is smart. It's, is Jimbo I mean, bad? At, is Jimbo yeah. bad at hiring assistants? You know, Jason asked that. I don't know. I mean, I know his. I know his offense. I've heard is like wildly intricate and has a million calls and so I don't know if that slows them down. I don't know what the deal is like, and they've recruited insane. I mean, every, you know, Nick Saban was complaining about their collective and everything. So they apparently are get you know, have tons of talent, but under no circumstance should app state come into your building as, as good or bad as app is. I mean, they just gave up 60 something points to North Carolina and turned around one week later and like literally didn't let Texas A&M have the ball. And when they did have it, they couldn't do anything a, a week after a mediocre ACC team puts up 60 on them. So something, something is, is a miss there for sure. And then uh, you got BYU taking down Baylor. That's a huge had, win. I think I had like 
some crazy number. There was like some crazy number of upsets I wrote down. BYU's two best happened. receivers didn't even play. Seven upsets in the top twenty-five. Perfect. Maybe maybe the cats will be be back in this week. So, oh, I know it's my computer was going haywire. That was not okay. Uh, so yeah, seven upsets in the top twenty-five. Obviously, like Arkansas State hung around with Ohio State for like a quarter and a half, maybe, maybe, yeah, about a quarter and a half. Um, Ohio State's DBs questionable uh, early on, at least. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't watch Michigan, Hawaii, but that looked to be nothing. You know who I'm, who I'm interested to watch moving forward this year? And I again, two weeks, so I'm going to pump. I think Kansas State might be really good. I think they might. I think they might win the Big Twelve. Really? Yeah. Are you, like go, the, are you putting the, that in? Are you putting that in stone right now? This no. Week? I'm just saying. I think. I think they might be really good. Like I love their little running back Deuce Vaughn. Their coach came from the North Dakota State. You know they're going to get. They want to you know make it a fight. They're uber physical. They got some some impressive defensive line guys. Like, I mean, they worked Missouri and I'm, I'm not saying Missouri is any great, anything great, but like they beat the crap out of them. And I, I just like the way they play. Like they got Taylor Martinez who apparently couldn't play quarterback at Nebraska, but he can play at Kansas state. So maybe that's another strike against Scott Frost. Wisconsin lost too. Washington state. Yeah. (laughs) And a bigger surprise um, I guess you know Kansas being two and zero, or Nebraska. Actually, I guess or Notre oh, Dame Kansas. being going too. Let's do that. Kansas, this is setting up for a classic. Like Texas almost beats Alabama, and then Kansas is going to beat them. <laughs> I mean, they're two and zero. They just beat West Virginia fifty five forty two. Yeah, Arkansas got another win on the road. They're two and zero, or no? I think that was at home again. Um, yeah, were they 16? Yeah. Clemson just, I mean, like 35-12 over Furman. I can't imagine that was super. See, that's like the kind of score I was worried that the UC game would be. Yeah. If they were able to, to you know, convert some third downs and have eight-minute drives but not score and, and stuff like that. Um, we're not going to – we talked about this Wednesday night. We're not going to talk a ton AAC. AC. One, because I just don't want to because it sucks. Mm-hmm. And – Two, we'll, we'll let Chad and Aaron talk about it. But the one thing I will say is through two weeks, don't try to tell me for one damn second that UC isn't going to win this league again. Uh, there's no way. The only thing, like, the, really, the only, I'm not even talking AAC here, but, like, I mean, BYU is going to be pushing up for that. Uh, well, BYU NYC. has to finish. They what don't they, get, they don't, because they're right, independent. They don't get independent. They don't they get have, the automatic They have bid. to finish in the top 12. And ahead of whoever the highest group of five team is, conference champion is. So, I mean, if they go undefeated, obviously they're probably going to finish ahead of whoever the group of five team is or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not like they That's don't right. get that same benefit of, you know, just being the highest ranked conference champion of the group of five, even if you're ranked 20th. So, what we got to look out for the Sun Belt? Is that what we're. Sun Belt. BYU too, because I mean, if if they go undefeated, yeah. we're, we're you know with one loss, I can't imagine we're going to finish Jump. ahead of an undefeated BYU when they just yeah. beat Baylor and they have other good teams on their um, schedule. BYU so. does have to play Arkansas. They do. 
they do in the middle so, of the season. Um, but yeah, so uh, Al Kern asked about the field suites. We talked about that a little bit at the beginning. So if you want, jump back to that. They were they were pretty awesome. Uh, TV's not a, quite up and running yet. They said in the next couple of weeks or two TVs in in our suite. Um, he had no TVs whatsoever. No, I couldn't. Yeah, they weren't. Oh, they weren't gosh. functioning yet. So I hope. Hopefully, they are by the Indiana game. That would be that would be a, a pretty big miss, I think, if they weren't up. So, so that's why I had to go back and like rewatch the game this morning because I couldn't see any replays. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah. you know, see see anything uh, along those lines. But, but yeah, the you know Texas or uh, the Texas Tech Houston game overtime. Houston gives up a fourth and twenty in the first overtime. And then loses in double overtime uh, to a backup quarterback at Texas Tech. So, oh, that was pump. the other, that was the other thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna slow down on the Houston takes, guys. Like, <laughs> right? Everybody's uh, saying that they're like primed to take UC down. At through two weeks, I'm not so sure. And then, like in Alabama, when they play against Texas, Quinn Ewers goes down and like the yeah, first he got quarter, And then, then their backup, their backup quarterback was playing on one leg. The, the, <laughs> the kid could barely I mean he he took off on one run and literally like just kind of like took himself out of bounds and was like it looked like he was dragging his leg behind him because it I don't know I think he got a got hit maybe the first or second play he was in and it was like well we don't have anybody else buddy like and he I mean he acquitted himself very well out there yeah, Ar- Arch Manning he, isn't there yet yeah so exactly they were like can somebody get on the phone and get him up here Newman High School um, but yeah, said so that was the other thing. I mean, Alabama's going was in a, a a true road non-conference game against essentially a a backup quarterback on one leg, and you know barely pulled out the victory. I'm gonna take as many shots against the Crimson Tide as I can. Hey, you know, I don't blame you. You know, that's the that's the frustrating part. Is yeah, if you're if, for for all fans, I mean, we all just want to see them peg down a little bit we want to see you know everybody lose and then we you know but like you're a texas fan like we've we've, we had them beat and we still you just couldn't get it done and you know that's that's the rough part is there you know anything else uh i would love to talk about our friends uh you know like i said earlier our friends down in orlando but uh yeah well we can leave we leave that i'm gonna hold off on that you know chat i'm I'm sure aaron's got some some Angry hot takes and they do have a, like. they do have a pretty good running back playing quarterback though so they have that going for them. Yep, the only reason that we talked the uh, the one AAC team is because they were in the top twenty five. That's right. So I'll, cl- I'll claim that. Yeah, and we'll, I know we'll I know Aaron and Chad are trying to lay lay claim to the the Big Twelve review next starting next year. I disagree. No, they can't because if they're Games of importance, then we're going to talk about them. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for Aaron's head he's, to pop he's up. He's probably in asleep. He's uh. like not even paying attention at this point. But uh, <laughs> we'll shift. You know, we think we, we covered that well. Again, another, you know, it seems like no matter what, you can look at the schedule coming into the week. And, and there were some, obviously, Texas and Alabama, the headliner, but there weren't that many, like, you know, at first glance games where you were super excited to check out and college football just never disappoints. There's always wildness. There's always upsets, you know, 
things things never go as they seem. But uh, you know, right. It, then we shift from that right into opening week of the NFL. You know, once once the season gets rolling, we'll obviously talk a lot more Bearcats uh, and how they actually did. So you know, look look for that next week. So we'll kind of use this segment today to just give a quick whip around the league. What are you looking for? Obviously you and I are both big Bengals fans, so we'll touch on the Bengals, but uh, you know, I'm definitely looking to see if the Ravens, um, what they try to do against sauce. Yeah. You know, their wide receivers are not exactly the strong point of their team. So is he matched up with Rashad Bateman, like basically exclusively try to shut, take him out of the game and, and make them, Totally one-dimensional. I, I hope not because I my phone got set on auto draft because I was at my kids' practice and I have Rashad Bateman. Jeff, no one cares about your fantasy football team. <laughs> so now that needs like, to be like my Twitter. Like I want that in my like Twitter <laughs> bio is like no one cares about your fantasy football team. I care about my fantasy football <laughs> team that got auto drafted. Well, that's your was, fault, man. I was at I was at you know football practice um so either way i think it'll be kind of interesting to see what goes on there uh i'm also interested to see what happens with uh with the falcons like are they good are they just gonna have like Mariota on this like like you're out like we're gonna go ahead yeah, and put in, i mean like, that's, that's interesting now. on the other end of things like how bad are they like how bad are they gonna be when does i mean like drake london who they drafted this year got hurt in the first preseason game and he hasn't done anything since then, is their wide receiver one. That kind of shows you like where they're at. Yeah. That's, and uh, then Alec Pierce is, seems to be a, a starter. You know, whatever yeah. you want to call that for the Colts. So that, that, that's good there. Um, <clears throat> having a competent quarterback in Matt Ryan should, should help the Colts this year, considering they got a really nice offensive line and, and running back. And Monday you'll have, uh, you'll have the Seahawks playing. So you got, Kobe out there. Kobe. Yep. Um, what Thursday night is? Um, I know they'll play today, but Thursday night we'll get Chargers Chiefs, so we'll get some Kelsey and Brian Cook on national TV. Mm-hmm. James Wiggins. I think since the last time we talked, James Wiggins was signed to the Chiefs practice squad, so they they yep. keep their love of Bearcats going. Uh, uh, so what what are you looking for today, Bengals Steelers? Um, we kind of talked about this a little bit last Tuesday. Um, on, on part of the punctuation, but I just want to see how the, I'm interested to see how these guys, I know they're professionals and, you know, uh, but they haven't had game speed since February. Um, they've been, none of them have had any reps outside of like maybe like Cordell Volson. He had some reps, obviously, as he earned his way, uh, into the, the starting line there on the offensive side. Um, I want to see what Burrow can do with with time in the pocket, um, and and I'm I'm saying that expecting that the uh, the offensive line is going to perform together and gel. What like that's one of those things like those guys haven't played together, right? I mean, I think I'm, that's the thing I'm looking at is both lines. Yeah, like they the, just the Bengals line. Are you just competent? Because I mean, you went to the Super Bowl being terrible. I'm not saying that a competent line makes them a shoe in to go back but like right are you just competent are you i mean i think joe mixon had like the few it was last in the league at like yards before contact mm-hmm. which if you follow the Bengals, you know last year was like 
any yards he made were on his own. He had, you know, he was fighting so for those. How does the line hold up against the Steelers? They have a, a great defense, good defensive line. TJ Watt, Cam Hayward. And Wait, then is TJ Watt, Watt going to play? Yeah, I think so. Him and it sounds like he's fine. Okay. Um, and then reverse the Steelers offensive line from all indications is an absolute disaster. All preseason Trubisky running for his life, any quarterback they had in running for their lives. Can't run the ball. Najee Harris, I think is nursing some, some form of an injury. Um, so does Trey Hendrickson, do the, the new defensive ends, do they just wreak havoc and make life miserable for, for Mitch Trubisky? Cause there are some, monster monster mismatches on the offensive line i was i was listening to something this week the guy that covers the steelers um like they drafted a guy last year to play center he was so bad at center they it was almost like the billy price thing he was so bad at center they moved him to guard and he's like terrible at guard too so they don't even know what like i guess they're gonna play him at guard and then their left tackle dan moore i guess that's like I mean, Hendrickson might just have, you know, three, four sacks today based on the things that I've heard about him. So I'm also, I'm also excited for like Joseph Asai to get some. Yeah. I mean, like all finally, those guys finally Joe get Asai, out there, you know, Jeff Gunter, Zach Carter, like they all flashed in the, in the grand yeah. preseason against twos and threes, obviously. But, you know, that was the biggest killing seal, I think, Bengals defensively last year it was like if Trey Hendrickson wasn't in, they were not generating pass rush from from anywhere else yeah yeah that'd be an issue um i don't know just we'll, we'll see kind of how this rolls out i don't want to lose the steelers obviously like i, I don't want to hear that there's too many people around me that are steelers fans um I i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure if the bengals win that it'll be four in a row i know that and that'll be the first time they've lost to a team four in a row since like they lost to the patriots back when tomlin like first started because huh. you, you had the Ryan Finley game the COVID year, then the two wins last year, so this would make four in a row. Uh, okay. And I did see another stat that um, this is the first time that two um, Mr. Football Ohio's will be on the field oh, yeah. in the game. With, Joe, uh, Mitch, Joe with, and Mitch was two years before Burrow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had, did we not have the, uh, we had just as many Mr. Football Ohio's on the field yesterday for UC. Yeah, Evan Prater and Corey Kiner. Yeah, so just little things that, that, that wrap up in there. But yeah, I'm, I'm also interested to see how teams, tr what they try to do with Jamar Chase. Everybody all offseason has talked about, well, they're not going to let him do that again. And I'm like, well, maybe he's just that damn good. But maybe, okay, so... My my thing has always been with this is like, if you come after Jamar, let's say you're like the, like people don't realize, I think, or they or they just refuse to admit how good the rest of that three headed monster at receiver is. That's the thing. They just refuse to like say that T Higgins is good. Like T Higgins is really good, like very good, a number one on a whole lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, you want to dedicate that much to stopping Jamar Chase? I feel like Joe Burrow is totally fine with that. He will find the open guy. The last half of the year last year, Higgins put up the same slash better numbers than Jamar did. And I want to say we're better this year at tight end 
than we were last year. Oh, I agree. Hayden Hurst is a much more, from a passing standpoint, from a third down standpoint, from a red zone standpoint, where they really struggled last year. Mm-hmm. You know, red zone third. You know, red zone third down. Like he's a much more viable option than CJ Uzama was. I was on. Um... I was on the one time for the fan podcast, which is a Falcons podcast a few weeks ago. And they, they were, I asked them about him. I'm like, Hey, like, what are we, what, what's the actual on the, and they were, they were all actually pretty upset that they let him go. Like they were like, they didn't use him right. Like he had flashes of, you know, he's got the speed he can catch. Like they just didn't use him right. And so, you know, he moved on. Like, yeah. yeah. He was like, they, they all said, they're like, you got a good one. there, like, that's a they and they all agreed there was an upgrade over Uzama. So I was like, all right, I will take. Yeah, I think I think I think CJ's personality and a lot of the stuff he did in the locker room, which I'm not taking anything away from, kind of you know overshadowed that he's just kind of a dude as far as just kind of a guy as far as just a, a guy as a tight end when you already have like you know. Do you want to pay him three years and whatever the Jets paid him three years, twenty one million? When you already have Mixon, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Chris Evans, or do you want to pay Hayden Hurst one year, three million bucks? Right. Well, like, I, I think you know, they were obviously very clear on what they wanted to do there. Yeah, and I don't. I don't really blame them. And he's taken some shots here and there over the summer, but hey, you know, whatever. You're gonna do that. You're I'm sure he's. That. I'm sure he's happy in New York. I mean that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what? Yeah. I mean, he's got a new podcast coming out. <laughs> it's pro football, man. I mean, it's a business. You got to understand oh, yeah. both. You got to understand both sides. But I don't blame a player for ever asking for whatever they feel their value is. And I don't blame a team no. going like we just don't value you that way. It's not personal. Right. Like we have fifty something, sixty something other guys that we've got to pay. Right. And if we pay you, if we start, you know, paying you something that we don't doesn't line up. Then we're gonna we're gonna come up short somewhere else, and and we can actually not pay you that, and then maybe come out ahead. So exactly, like, you know, hopefully somebody will pay you that. Uh, you're a nice guy. See you later. But uh, yeah, I, I think that you know that pretty much wraps it up for us today. I think yeah. you know we're gonna always always gonna keep it in the in the hour and a half window. Not as much to to dissect on Kennesaw State. I'm sure we'll have a little bit more next week with. Uh, the Miami game, and then a, f- a full slate of NFL games. Another big week of college. Uh, you know, make sure you check out all the nightcaps. Aaron and Chad talking. You know, whatever the hot topic is nationally, or or UC or AAC. Make sure you're following myself and Jeff on Twitter. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube pages. To you know, we're, we're still working, I think, on getting the podcast back up on Apple. I'm not sure what happened there, but, you know, please rate, review, comment. We appreciate all of it. Or read the comments, try to take them to heart where we can get better. Only episode two, so we're still still working, still, still trying to get better. Uh, but, you know, a, a successful week, so it's not our fault. The show it is not the show's fault. We yeah, have, if we, we had have, lost have a, to Kennesaw, we would have had to just shut this thing down. Yeah, I think I think we would have. Like honestly, <laughs> I think I'd the way I am with some superstitions, I probably would have just been like, "Nah, you it's just it anymore. It's just ain't working." <laughs> so, uh, so we thank you again for joining us on Bearcat Brunch. Big thanks again to Royal Links Golf Tours. Uh, you know, maybe in the next couple of weeks, I'll I'll reach out to 
Jeff and Hayden and see if we can get Hayden to come on for a segment uh, to kind of talk about a game or kind of, you know, maybe like the quarter pole of the season. So with that, I hope everybody uh, rested up from the first first nip game and uh, got got some good brunch in you this morning and are are ready to watch some more more football. It's, It's a great time of the year. First game at Paycor Stadium. Lambagos, you all would have been the twelfth SMU episode. We 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 would have been. We would we would have been the 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 episode that of their insider thing that never saw the light of day after UC kicked the crap out of them. Still, right. one, still one of the funniest things to me that has happened in the last couple of years. I don't think I know that story. So ESPN Plus was doing like a week, like almost like a hard knocks type thing on SMU through the season. It was called like the Hilltop or something. So every week they'd have like a a 30-ish minute episode. Part of it would be the game prep for that next opponent. And then it would be the game. 11 weeks, totally fine. 12th week, the UC week, never aired. And the show stopped after that. So they didn't, they just ended the show after UC beat the crap out of them. So they obviously filmed the show that week, like leading up to the game. They filmed the game and somebody said like, whether it was that or that the Sonny Dykes leaving rumors had like started to pick up. Somebody said like, we're done because there was not a 12th episode. There's not a 13th episode. Like they just ended the show. With all those movies. It just so happened to be the week UC beat him, whatever, like 49 to 7 or 10 or something. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, every so often, I'll jump on Twitter and be like, where is my 12th episode at SMU football, like at ESPN Plus? Like, That's amazing. I've never heard that. But no, yeah, is... the Bearcats ended a, a show. Stop it. Just add that to the list of accomplishments. Yes. Never reached the hilltop. The, 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 the ponies never reached the hilltop. <laughs> but again, right. thank you, everybody. Have a great Sunday. We will be back next week, 930 sharp, talking Bearcats, Red Hawks, and the rest of college football. Have a great day. Bye.